Let's Get Down to Business is a production of Money Honey Media. All advice discussed in this production is general in nature and should not be applied to your personal circumstances without first consulting the advice of a tax professional. Welcome to Let's Get Down to Business with Joe McCauley. And today we're having a mum and millennial episode with my son Joel. So welcome, Joel. You're not going to call it that, are we? I'm, well, I have control of that. I'm not going to call it that. Okay. <laughs> we can call it something else. Okay. So uh, Joel called me the other day and asked if we could do an episode on NFTs, to which I thought... I have NFI, what an NFT is. So I've been doing some research and uh, I now have a bit of an idea what an NFT is. So, Joe, would you like to explain what an NFT is? An NFT is essentially, it's a non-fungible token. Right. Uh, meaning it is authenticated by the blockchain, which certifies its, origina- its originality and ownership. I'm reading this from the ABC article about <laughs> the digital artist people who... Is seventy million dollars richer as NFT NFT piece becomes first sold by major auction house. Okay, so um, it sounds like you, as a millennial, don't really know that much about them either. Is that correct? Yeah, it's sort of it's a new thing. It's only come up really in the last few weeks um, as a thing, but it's related to the blockchain, which is Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, that sort of stuff, the Mick Malloy coin. The Mick Malloy coin. Yeah, it was a triple M thing they did. Okay. So it's cryptocurrency is what what the blockchain is. And I must say all of this blockchain stuff does my head in, uh, but I'm going to try and give you a bit of an explanation from my point of view about what NFT is as opposed to what Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other cryptocurrencies are. And I'm also going to talk to you a little bit about the tax implications of investing in cryptocurrencies. But I also want to stress at the outset, we are not providing you with any financial advice or assuming or giving you any suggestion that you should invest in any of these products. So we just want to try and give you an understanding of what they are. Does that sound okay to you, Joel? Yeah, there's the warning at the start. Well, not warning, but the financial advisor. Yeah, I know, but I still don't want people to think that this is all about us telling you to invest in Bitcoin or NFTs. I do actually know a little bit about the start of Bitcoin. So the idea behind it was that the way you got a Bitcoin and the way you still to get Bitcoins was there's basically a math problem that had to get solved and each time that problem got solved, you would get one Bitcoin. That's correct. And so that's what led to the mining, which is basically millions of computers trying to work out this math problem, which then led to the boom in a whole yeah. bunch of sectors. So yeah. when you solve that problem, it will then give you a bit Bitcoin. And to start with, the problems are pretty easy to solve, I believe, and then they're getting more and more complicated. My understanding is, and perhaps this is why there's an environmental impact to site of cryptocurrencies, I, I might be wrong, that to get to solve this, you have to have huge amounts of computer power and that has a huge carbon footprint. Is that me yeah. getting that wrong? Or no, right? so, all right, so in 2009, when this sort of stuff first started beginning, you could solve the problems in just like a laptop. Like uh, that would be enough. You could just turn it on and be like, all right, fine, Bitcoin in the background. And it would be able to do it because it wasn't super taxing. Mm-hmm. As the problems got harder and harder, the cost of it is increased because now you've got to basically what people have been doing is they've been hiring like shipping containers. Right. Filling it up with servers and heaps of things. 
And so you've got to power the service, mm-hmm. but you've also got to now take account of the heat of the service. Okay. And so that's where most of the environmental cost is coming from is because of the air conditioning right. that you need to keep everything cool. Okay. So let's just go back to the blockchain. And my understanding of the blockchain is it kind of makes me think back to when we first heard about the cloud and we all were saying, well, what's this cloud? We don't understand the cloud, is it? Is our data stored up where the, you know, in the clouds where the planes fly? I don't understand it. And yet the cloud has now become something that we're all pretty familiar with and understand. And I think this is going to be the same with blockchain. And what blockchain is, is obviously it's a computerized uh, digital storage system, which allows you to have a uh, unique code that is behind whatever the asset is that you're talking about. And it, it's essentially going to allow um, commun- a commun- consumer to consumer transfer. So if I want to pay for something with Bitcoin, I don't have to go through a bank. I can go straight to the person who I am going to be buying the item off and I can transfer that money into their Bitcoin wallet without need the need for an intermediary. So that sounds like one point about the blockchain. But the other thing about it is it does have a unique footprint, which means that any data that's stored on there can't be changed. Um, it can't be, it, it can be sold, but it can't be duplicated. It, it really is unique. If you wanted to have a, um, you know, some of your data stored on the blockchain in whatever format. So if you were trying to store your data on the blockchain, it, it is a quite a secure way to have data that can't be manipulated. So things I've heard of in the past are things like potentially health records for people. If your health record was stored on the blockchain, it can't be manipulated. Uh, and this is where the NFTs come in. What they're talking about is artistic property that is being developed, digital digital art, artistic property, and it is now being given a its unique character and that unique character can be sold for a profit. So from what I understand, we have a couple of things like big ticket items on there at the moment, but one of the things that it seemed to start with was a thing called CyberKitty. Who is it? Crypto Kitty? Crypto Kitty. Crypto Kitty. And Crypto Kitty reminds me a little bit of the old Pokemon cards you used to play with, Joel. Do you remember Pokemon? Uh, do I remember Pokemon? <laughs> I know you're a massive Pokemon fan still, so yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that makes sense. So when Pokemon cards were around, you know, there'd be some that were very popular and easy to get, and there were others that were much rarer, and people started paying for those rarer cards. So They still do, actually. There was a... Few things last year, at the end of last year, of people unboxing rare Charizard cards. Charizard. 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 Okay, so with these, um, with these NFTs, what they're doing is they're they're creating something. They're creating a little digital thing. It might be a little kitty cat that um, you know someone wants to pay money for, or it could be a piece of art, such as um, some of the I don't know Banksy's created some art work over it. It could be some other type of intellectual property. Uh, for example, uh, a Twitter feed or a um, or, or a piece of music or something like that. And yeah, once that's- so there are a bunch of tweets that are for sale. And uh, if you want to know the kind of people who are getting involved in this, a lot of the highest price tweets, they're all by Elon Musk. Yeah. And it's also interesting that Grimes, who happens to be Elon Musk's wife, her uh, music is on 
NFT is an NFT as well. So that part I don't quite understand. So you've got an NFT, which is supposed to be this very like singular piece of work, but then you've got someone giving an album away for NFT. Well, but then no, but it's the intellectual property of it. So it's I look at it like think of the Mona Lisa. There's one Mona Lisa. It's in the Louvre. We think that that's the right one, right? There's millions of prints of the Mona Lisa everywhere, but those prints are really worth nothing because they're just a copy of the original. It's the original that holds the value. So when you create a piece of digital art, that can easily be copied. It can be copied multiple times. How would you know which one is the original piece of the digital art and which one's not? Now, if you've got a non-fungible token over that piece of art, then that is over the original piece of art. No one else can take that from you. They, You can sell it, but you can't take that off you. They might be able to copy it, but it's still owned by that person. So that to me, I kind of understand that concept. It's really way out there. But what we're finding is that, first of all, even though there's rules about once you've created this nft that they can be traded and that you know there's only one of those assets and it it can have a price attached to it nothing there is actually no rule at the moment to say that the creation of it has to be done by the artist so there are people who are taking things that they don't necessarily belong that belong to them and creating this over the top of it so that's one of the issues that seem to be coming out of the nft nft non-fungible token Non-fungible means it's something that can't be uh, easily replaced. So if you think of a coin, if you think of a 10-cent coin, if I give you a 10-cent coin or I replace it with another 10-cent coin, they're exactly the same, they're worth the same, they can be replaced. But the idea of these NFTs is that they can't be replaced. So they're a unique thing that cannot be replaced by something else. Does that make sense, Joel? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. just on that thing about people taking things. Yeah. Um, there was a case regarding a video game called The Castle Doctrine. Right. So that game came out a few years ago. Let me just find the source. Um, it's a game that came out a few years ago. And in that game, there was, you basically built up your own castle. Right. And then people would invade it and then steal things from you. In that game, there was several pieces of, I think it's 250 pieces of art. So right. it, and they were all unique. So if you had it, you're the only one who had it in the game. Okay. So that's the start of this. So from there, the person who created the game, a Jason Rohrer, Rohrer, R-O-H-R-E-R, I'm getting this from Game Artists Not Happy That Developer Is Selling Their Nearly Decade Old Workers NFTs from Kotaku. Right. Um, basically, he had these art pieces from this game, and he is now selling them as NFTs. Right. But... Some of the artists who made the art in the first place aren't exactly happy about that because it's now that art's being sold without their permission. Right. So you can see that there are probably a few, you know, issues to be resolved. I think one of the other things, and it's becoming quite popular at the moment because people have been speculating in Bitcoin very recently. It seems to have had a big jump and people are just generally speculating on anything in markets at the moment. So uh, Bitcoin is not an NFT because one Bitcoin is the same as another Bitcoin. They're not unique in character. 
but we do use cryptocurrencies to buy our NFTs. And the one that it seems to be most attached to is Ethereum, uh, which is not Bitcoin, but it's it's very similar in character to Bitcoin. I so, think it's the second most valuable. Yeah. So um, that's probably where, you know, they all sit on the blockchain. They're all very similar in those characters. There, we just talked a little bit about the environmental issues and that's one of the big issues that seem to be being raised about NFT apart from apart from people taking other people's intellectual property and making money out of it. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things I read was that currently cryptocurrency and NFTs, they have the same energy output as Argentina. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So. Wow, I had no idea it was so much, but yeah, that sort of makes huge sense. Okay, so let's. We've talked a little bit about what an NFT is, and uh, we can see that people are starting to trade on these and make money. It's all pure speculation, and I think the argument is: is what is it, the actual value behind it? And I know this is something that's been talked a bit a lot about Bitcoin. Uh, what is the value behind it? Like, it is just a currency. What does it? Is it a currency? What is it? We don't really understand it. And we can see that it goes up and comes down. But unlike other things, it doesn't really have anything behind it. Whereas a non-fungible token potentially does have something behind it. It does have a piece of artwork. So there is potentially something there. But still, still we're seeing some fairly uh, interesting speculation on things that are probably not really worth much. So some of these like tokens that are being made over you know, kitty cats or, or or little puppy dogs or something like that. Like, really, is it worth the crazy amount of money and what is the market for that? So interesting. It'll be something that we're going to hear a lot more about, I believe, as time goes on. Um, my understanding is that Kings of Leon are about to release their next album and that will be an NFT I don't really understand how that works. Well, if you only get one for cheap, that's a good way to go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, there is a Banksy uh, artwork that um, he burnt and then the actual burnt uh, piece of artwork was was actually registered as an NFT. So uh, Banksy, for those of you who know anything about art, which I don't know too much about him, but I know he's quite out there. He's the guy who, um, when his artwork was auctioned fairly recently, as soon as the hammer went down, a shredder was actually built into into the um, frame and it started to shred the, the artwork, which was made it worth even more after that. He's not so much an out there artist, just that he was more learning for, like, he would be painting on random... Like, he was almost graffiti yeah. in some ways. Yeah. So he's, he's a pretty, well, he's very well-known in the art world. Well, Banksy is well-known. Yeah. The person who did the art is not. No, because we don't know who yeah. he is. So he's an enigma. Yes. Yes. And that in itself makes him even more. Well, the, when he trended the artwork, it made the artwork worth more. Definitely. Definitely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what happens if you do buy cryptocurrencies or NFTs from a tax point of view. And this is from an Australian tax point of view, because that's what I do, tax. And we do seem to have more and more clients who are investing in cryptocurrency and they, uh, the ATO does know about it because they do come back and tell you that we know that you've sold some uh, Bitcoin or whatever and we expect to see something in your tax return. So don't think that just because it's on the blockchain, it's invisible. So I just want to break it up into a couple of different areas. So 
Um, first of all, it's determining whether what you're doing is an investment as opposed to a business. And I find it really interesting because to me, cryptocurrencies are very similar to foreign currency. So uh, if you decided to go and buy, you know, US dollars and speculate whether that was the, the US dollar versus Australian dollar was going to change in a direction that will be beneficial to you and you do make money out of that foreign currency trading, that is income and it's taxed in what we call ordinary income, which means there's no cap, it's not a capital gain, it's just purely income and it's taxed at your marginal tax rate. But cryptocurrency is considered to be something that is subject to capital gains if the purpose of buying it was for investment purposes. And that means that if you've held onto it for more than a year and you own it in your own name as an individual, that you'll get the 50% discount for any gain that you make, which is probably pretty beneficial for those who made really large gains out of uh, cryptocurrency. On the negative side of that, if you do happen to lose on cryptocurrency, then you can't offset that loss against your other income. It has to go off against another capital gain. So potentially further down the track, you might find that you've made another crypto gain and you can use it then. Does that all make sense to you, Joe? Yes. That's good. Please tell me because I sometimes get too carried away in what I'm talking about. Uh, now... Actually, I will ask a question. Sure. So you said it goes against another capital gain. Yeah. How does that work? Okay. So you can only offset a capital loss against a future capital gain. So you can carry forward a capital loss indefinitely. But so let's just say, let's just make an example that I have um, bought some cryptocurrency. I've sold it or converted it back to Australian dollars, which we'll talk about in a minute. And instead of making a gain, I've actually lost $1,000 on that. I can't offset that against my salary and wage income. So I can't go and say, well, take that off my $80,000 that I've earned as a salary and wage and now I've only earned $79,000 that, and that's what I'm taxed on. It doesn't work that way. What I can do is carry that $1,000 loss forward until such time that I do make a capital gain. That capital gain may be on cryptocurrency next year it may be on selling shares. It could be on an investment property. There's a whole bunch of different options on what is a capital gain. And if I do make a capital gain, I can then offset that loss against that gain before it starts to be taxable. So we don't lose our capital losses, but we can't use them unless we have a capital gain at some point in the future. Just on capital losses, there is an event that may happen that will cause a capital loss on your cryptocurrency, and that could be that you've actually lost access to your wallet. Now, I just want to uh, point out that this is a highly secured system, which means that the access codes are unique and very valuable, and they're not. it's not like your bank where you can ring up and ask for your password to be reset. If you lose those codes, you've essentially lost your cryptocurrency. Now, this can happen because you might have lost your computer. You might have um, – it might actually belong to someone who's passed away and their codes were never recorded anywhere. And it's estimated that around 20% of cryptocurrency has been potentially lost, uh, and that's based on estimates at in 2021, January 2021, of – 
uh, crypto wallets that have not been accessed in over five years. So uh, if that does happen to you and you have lost access to your cryptocurrency and you can prove that you did invest in it in the first place, you can actually claim a capital loss for that. So note of caution, you need to be very mindful where you store your keys. You need to make sure that people who are trusted uh, have the information about that. So particularly it might be something that you need to have noted in your will um, and but also be mindful that if people steal that, they have access to your crypto and can steal your crypto. So just be careful of that and understand that if that does happen to you, it will be recorded as a capital loss to carry forward into future years. All good? Yes. Great. Now, what constitutes a capital gain event is quite interesting with cryptocurrencies because a lot of people think that because they've got a wallet on the blockchain that they can do whatever they want within that wallet and it's only at the point that they convert it back into Australian dollars or what's known as a fiat currency, so any sort of currency that is just a government-regulated currency, US dollars, British pound, whatever that situation might be. Yeah, whatever it is. But it's actually not the case. You're considered to have sold your cryptocurrency if you have converted it into another cryptocurrency. So if you've sold Bitcoin to buy Ethereum, that's considered a capital gain or event, a capital event. Uh, If you have used your cryptocurrency to purchase something, that is also considered a capital event. So if I go and buy a house with my cryptocurrency, it is deemed that I've disposed of my cryptocurrency and bought a house. What if you're using cryptocurrency for some of the less than legal things? Well, same thing. (laughs) When you change that cryptocurrency into whatever it might be, that is the point that that cryptocurrency is disposed. So that's when the capital gain event happens. There is a little bit of a, um, a relief thing in there that a few people have been talking about lately and that that's the $10,000 personal use asset rule which means that if you're using cryptocurrency to buy something which might include some of those things you're talking about Joel that are a little illegal um, then you have a $10,000 amount that you can ignore from a tax point of view for a financial year if it is used to buy personal use assets. So that can be a little bit iffy and I'm sure like everything there's subjective points to it. But if you were to if you were to buy cryptocurrency with the intention of fairly shortly after purchasing something with that cryptocurrency, it's more likely to be for a personal use asset. If it goes and you hold on to it for a period of time before you purchase it, it's more likely to be an investment. We can't mix those. So for it to be a personal use asset, we can't also say that it's for investment. Um, It also typically is used not to be converted. Like So you can't say, well, I put it into cryptocurrency for two weeks, then I've converted it back to Aussie dollars to go down the shop and buy myself a new bike. That's not, yeah, that's, that's not part of it either. Unless under very, under very strange circumstances, there might be a need to do that. But typically it would be that you've bought the cryptocurrency with the intention to use the blockchain to buy an asset. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. 
All right, so the other part that we need to talk about is what if it is a business transaction, in which case there is no sort of capital gains tax exemption on that. Um, some businesses are now using crypto as to obviously probably some of them are illegal businesses as well, but for those businesses that are using crypto to as a, as a form of currency, uh, if you're converting your crypto, it is just ordinary income. There is no current, uh, capital gains tax discount. Remember, to get the capital gains tax discount, you have to hold on to the asset for more than 12 months. So if you regard, if you just bought crypto, sold it six months down the track, it really doesn't matter. You're going to be taxed on it anyway. All right. So I think uh, this has been quite an interesting discussion. I think we're all probably still as confused as we were before about non-fungible tokens and cryptocurrencies in general. The blockchain is pretty difficult to understand but hopefully we've helped you navigate something that we are going to see a little bit more in the media over the next few months and probably into the future and we may listen to this in 10 years time and laugh at how little we knew about something that's just every day is yeah. that what you think uh maybe maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly with blockchain because it's such a new technology uh in 10 years time who knows because 10 years ago i remember hearing about bitcoin and thinking that's stupid yeah. That was back when it was worth 50 cents. Yeah. So. <laughs> and wouldn't it have been nice to get in on that? I was also in high school. Yeah. So. Look, I mean, we all hear about it and how it goes up and down. And it's really one of those things that if you want to take the risk, you know, feel free. But we're not advising you necessarily to do that. Well, thank you for listening to Money Honey, Let's Get Down to Business. And thank you, Joel, for joining me. Thank you for having me. And would you like to do the sign-off about remembering where you can listen to this podcast? Well, I believe you can listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, including Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple. Okay. Um, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group you can join if you would like. I would like to thank the producer, Joel Eshman, <laughs> uh, for having such a great deal of Time. I actually haven't cut quite the eyes because hopefully you didn't hear it, but there was a dog in the room. Yes, little Frank joined us, and but it was fun to bark during the episode. So. And then I would say that the music's going to start playing, or it's already started playing, and so I'll just quickly fade this out.